0: Hey everyone, this is the Everyday Leader podcast where we hear from inspiring individuals building and leading teams across Africa. Today, I speak with Anne Katari from Kenya. Anne is an experienced head of customer success, having served both B2C and B2B clients across Africa and globally with a particular passion for the internet industry. In her eight years at Fuzu, a talent development and placement platform, She has honed her skills in user research, customer relationship management, and leadership. Anne and I spoke about her experience as the first Fuzu employee in Kenya, her strategies to maintain continuity in the face of staff turnover, and how she has developed a superpower in keeping her team members motivated. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi Anne, welcome to the Everyday Leader Podcast. Uh, Glad to have you with us today.
1: Thanks Chris. thank you really excited to be here
0: so you serve as the head of customer success for the B2C side of uh, Fuzu mm-hmm. uh, you've been with Fuzu for now over 8 years you you must have a long leadership journey within the company that I would love to uh, in some small way unpack today for our community that's listening that's you know interested in uh, the types of managerial growth and learnings that come with Careers at interesting and high growth companies. I'd love to start maybe with uh, your, your origin with Fuzu and, and how you first started stepping up into leadership roles there.
1: I'd say my leadership um, journey started five or six years ago. So, in my first years of Fuzu, of course, I was not really a leader. It was more of setting everything in place, setting the team up from scratch, um, really had support from, of course, the Fuzu co founders. Um, and then Started my journey in leadership in 2017, so it was it was a very different. Um, I would say it was a very interesting shift for me, very different from what I was used to. Um, so it's been a great learning curve. I would say it still is. Yeah, but a lot of adjusting, getting to think different, from shifting my mindset from me to kind of a we kind of angle. So it's been quite interesting. And I would say leadership in a startup is likely very different from, I'd say, quote unquote, the corporate setup, because in a startup, I had to be really hands on, you're working alongside um, your team, so you still have to, I'd say, be in the mud. Um, initially, I, was, so I did have my own accounts, the customers that you're managing, but it really did help get to understand even the challenges of a team. Um, and we work together to channel a path um, forward. But I'd say also I really, when I was kicking off, I really had a great boss that really guided me um, just, and just helped me build uh, my leadership skills that I still carry on um, in my experience. But it's been, it's been quite an interesting journey.
0: You mentioned the, the term from scratch, building something mm-hmm. from scratch. And you did mm-hmm. join Fuzu, I believe, when it was a much smaller uh, startup. Uh, uh-huh. back in 2014 and you served in a project and research assistant role at first and then a customer success mm-hmm. specialist yeah. uh, throughout your first two years and you talked about like building processes from scratch I know uh-huh. in one of my own LinkedIn descriptions from a previous role I talked about building something from scratch and I think uh-huh. it's there's a lot in there uh because you're at least uh from uh your own personal view it's like you're not able to necessarily work from established standards, and Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of pressure to build something from the bottom up and and make it uh, scalable. So I'd love to hear a bit more about some of the experiences you had in those first two years uh, Mm -hmm. that um, kind of really hit home uh, this idea of building something from scratch, Mm -hmm. even if you weren't necessarily in a managerial role yet, Mm -hmm. and then how that experience of building something from scratch then mm-hmm. positioned you well into then taking on that first uh, head of customer success on the B2B yeah. uh, side of things
1: yeah i would say it really in that initial phase so as a project assistant I was mainly supporting with um, market research on the ground so for the first year before we launched fuzu um to just about market research understanding the needs of our customers both on the b2b side in this case employers and on the b2b side um, job seekers so it was mainly to support on research and then when we launched in 2015 um, now the work started it started building the chip from scratch um, and getting to understand how is the market um, how can you set ourselves up for success and just gain that competitive edge in a very super competitive um, market because we had key players that had been in the market for close to you know 10 years and here we were getting into a very competitive market. So I'd say on my end, it really it was a very interesting experience. I think it's just the highlight of my career actually because um, it was very early in my career. Um, so it, it helped build a lot of sense of ownership and accountability, um, so you're sort of I got to understand that even for my boss and like the physical founder you say, um, he didn't really have all the answers. So we're sort of figuring it out together, um, understanding the market together. So it really helped shape how I think as a leader, as opposed to just leading, I'm actually working alongside my team to get the results. So I think that on my end, that initial experience of um, working together as a team, trying to figure things out together, really helped drive that sense of ownership, but mostly just with that understanding that my boss doesn't have all the answers. So it sort of pushed me to go the extra mile to do a lot of my own research, uh, getting to understand what do our customers want, um, what has worked for competition, what hasn't, and how can Fuzu plug in to actually meet um, those needs. But I would say that that initial foundation for the first two years of working at Fuzu really helped shape how I think as a leader especially now in regards to my team working with my team to achieve those results. Yeah.
0: Now, uh, I, from a personal experience, I know that uh, high growth companies see a mm-hmm. lot of, uh, turnover in staff, uh, for a number of different reasons. It might be, you know, the, the mission or the pace of the organization changes, mm-hmm. and it's no longer a great fit for the the staff member or there's underperformance or there's just uh, overall uh, change in strategy. And so, I can imagine that uh, mm-hmm. over the years you've been at fuzu there must have been dozens if not hundreds of staff that have mm-hmm. gone and gone and you've been there throughout so yeah. i'd like to hear maybe an example of of how you have dealt with that type of um almost rotational uh mm-hmm. um, staff coming in and out and and how you have uh, made sure that there's this sense of continuity in the work mm-hmm. that you
1: Um, That's a good question, and that's true. Of course, over the eight years, we've seen people come and leave, and some even grow within the team. So I think for me, what has helped me individually is really connecting to the mission and the vision of the business itself. So with that understanding, even as I build my team, I get to understand from my experience and the learnings that we've had, as we build the team and bring people on board, who'd actually, you know, I, I tend... I start thinking about it from a perspective of who would actually fit in this very um, specific role and then even now, as the roles evolve, how do you create continuity within the role? So really setting up structures um, that make it easy for that transition to happen. Um, so the interesting thing about Fuzu is we, we nurture a lot of growth internally, so people really switch between different roles. So, the shift doesn't really have to be externally like people leaving Fuzu, but just people shifting from one role to another as part of our growth plans. Um, as a leader, really being forced to think about what does that, how can I create a sustainable plan so that every time when people leave or shift to something else, how do I still ensure that the engine is still running? So, I think just thinking ahead and kind of building those structures ahead has really helped create that continuity um and also the other key learning is when you get fresh blood in a way it also helps um when people shift to other roles and they get to experience something else and then when i bring in new people on board they have new ideas that i probably even as a leader didn't think through them some bring quite very interesting experiences from their previous jobs so just how do we setting up a way of how do we tap into that so that in as much as we have a structure how do we still ensure that? You know, it's, it's a very flexible structure that allows uh, for people to bring in their new ideas and we keep evolving as a function.
0: That, that's uh, some great insights that you, you have. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious how you go about having kind of an open and honest conversation with staff about mm-hmm. the potential to move internally, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And how those conversations have typically gone for you.
1: Yep, so for that, um, Maybe I'd first want to highlight that you have quite a very young team. I'd say an average, average age is twenty-five to twenty-five to twenty-six years. When you think about, I'd say this specific generation, I don't want to sound too old, <laughs> but they tend they really want to think about just beyond they need to connect one with the with the vision and the mission of a company. But it's really important to also discuss those individual um growth plans. So what I found helpful is really having those, we're still a very small and lean team. So having those one-on-one conversations with um, my team members, getting to understand beyond the role that they're in, what else are they interested in? So what do the growth plans look like? So some have them um, quite well structured for the ones that don't. We work through the structure together. Um, and then after after have that understanding of what's important to them, what do they want to grow into? And then we get to discuss. Is that growth plan within Fuzu or probably it might be out of Fuzu and what does it really um, look like of course the goal is to retain people yeah but just getting to understand also balancing between the business needs versus the individual needs of their of my team and especially people really want to feel that they're beyond just um, a headcount in the office that you know as a leader i care about their growth plans what do they want to do their lives how do they want when they think about career development, what does it look for them individually? So getting to personalize that and getting to see how does it map out with our business as Fuzu. And sometimes we find that also the growth plans are just simply not within. So how do I guide them through that um, process?
0: Fantastic. I'd love for you to maybe share a bit more about what Fuzu does and, and uh, <clears throat> the types of um, services it's it started to, to introduce over the years. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. how your role initially Mm -hmm. as the head of customer success for B two B, so the business Mm -hmm. facing side, versus Mm -hmm. now the past two years been on the B two C side, how that relates to the work Fuzu is doing its mission, and then uh, how you navigated that change, because I imagine there's quite a difference between uh, a business facing versus the individual facing a role.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so. uh, I'll just start with a brief introduction of what Fuzo does, so we're a career development platform where we provide job seekers tools to get ahead in their career, so tools in this case, by tools I mean um, we provide job opportunities um, as well as also learning content, so we have a lot of learning content on the platform that our job seekers are able to use it to upscale, Um, So that's a B2C side, then on the, sorry, on the B2C side still, um, when it comes to tools to help them, we also have career coaching on the platform. So our B2C users are able to get um, access to career coaching, we also have courses on the platform. So it's not just about it being a job platform, but an all-around career development platform that can support them throughout the different um, stages of their career journey. And then on the flip side, we also support employers um, get access to, to talent. So that's the B2B side. Um, and how my role plays in into the, into the overall mission of Fuzu. Um, so initially I was the head of customer success B2B. Um, so in this case, we're really supporting our employers, um, user platform, um, get access to talent, and just guiding them through um, the whole end-to-end process. So I was running that function for a period of four years. Um, and then two years ago, I moved to the, still the same role, customer success, but now on the B2C side. So it was a very different shift. Um, so in as much as it was still within the customer success field, it was a different shift in the sense that B2B was very customer facing, engaging with employers, understanding the different, um, the different business processes and seeing how Fuzu can plug into that to support them um, in their recruitment and talent management um, space. So for B2C, um, it's a very interesting role because B2B was serving you know, 2,000 employers class um, and then on the B2C side, we're dealing now millions of customers. So we really have to, it's a very product-driven function where on in my team, in my team, we're mainly the voice of a customer. So we're the ones who engage a lot with our B2C customers understanding um, their journey of their career and supporting them to use the platform, but most importantly in the process, closing the feedback loop. So how do we collect this feedback from our B2C customers, feed it back into the product to ensure that even as we roll out um, different products, it's ma- it's mainly based on what our customers um, actually need. So it's a very hands-on, hands-on rule. It may not be customer facing, but very we need to, I would say directly customer-facing, but then we still engage a lot with job seekers, just understanding their journeys, um, how do they differ? So in this case, now we use this information to help us build our customer journeys um, and also work closely with our internal teams to ensure that actually we're meeting the needs of our B2C customers.
0: You, you touched on this idea of kind of being the voice of, of the customer and, and mm-hmm. understanding you know, in gathering insights from um, their experience working with your platform and your services. Yeah. Um, Do you have an example of kind of an insight that you Mm -hmm. and your team noticed or gathered and and how that translated to some kind of key change where Mm -hmm. you advocated internally for uh, an improvement in the platform or some kind of uh, big bet that you could uh, transform, you know, either growth-wise or Mm -hmm. product-wise? to, to mm-hmm. try, try forward, because I know within companies, it takes people like you to notice something and really speak up and, and propose an innovation.
1: Um, that's a good question. In the initial phase, so for this B2C role, we do a lot of research, very intensive research. So the key learning that we got um, was our job seekers are very different in the sense that the, the journeys are very different. So even as we're thinking about um, We're thinking about how can you provide more value to our customers. What matters to them? Um, I think our key takeaway was their needs are a bit different um, depending on where people are in their careers. A good example is for entry level talent, um, mostly like what tools can they actually, what tools do they need for us to to say that we've actually supported them in their career. So for the entry level talent, it was about Guidance on what opportunity, what opportunities should I be going for? A lot of educative content on when you think about small things like you know interviews. I don't to call them small, but you know things like guidance on how do you interview prepping. What matters most to employers? And as I'm kicking, I'm kickstarting my career. What do I actually need to be doing? And then when it comes to um, a bit more senior talent, that might not really be the need. But what they mostly care about is. Most of them are trying to shift roles. They don't really have that sort of guidance. So with that knowledge of how different our segments are, we got to um, roll out pro- different products for the different segments. So an example is for a junior talent we rolled out, um, we call it the CV creator. So where we, we support them, um, creates professional CVs that they can actually use for their job applications. And then also just providing this providing content that helps them to get to understand, when I'm going for an interview, how do I present myself? Um, how do I set myself up for, from you know every other applicant? Um, and then for like the senior talent, um, we partnered with a couple of coaches um, on our platform. So they get access to career coaching and just able to help them through that um, transition. So I think that, that initial phase of doing very intensive um, market research really did help. Because it, it helps us understand that our customers are very different and the needs are different. So, even as we're thinking about improving our product, how do we roll out products that are customized to the different um, segments? So, I think with that understanding, it really helped. Um, and also, for me, it was key learning on my end was just the importance of doing market research before you start building any single product to ensure that you're actually building products that your different customer segments of the need. Yeah.
0: And Fuzu, uh-huh. its main market is, has traditionally been uh, Kenya, if I'm not uh-huh. wrong, but yeah. you've expanded over the years. So how, how is the customer success function and the market insights th- uh, process that you were just taking us through uh-huh. the new country expansion work?
1: Um, yeah, so we, we did expand to uh, Uganda and Nigeria as well. Nigeria is our newest market. So it's been interesting in the sense that um, we've had to still get to understand what matters most to you know how do the how do the experiences differ from market to market so the markets are quite different especially nigeria kenya may be a bit similar to uganda but um so we have a team also in the different markets so we customize i'll say we customize the research process to that specific market of course still somehow we still standardize like overall but just ensuring that how we're going deeper into these markets to understand what matters most to the different um segments so what might work for kenya might not work for you know a customer in nigeria so we've really had to customize that particular process just to ensure as we're rolling out the products in as much as we don't want to go too granular that we're really getting to understand the different markets and providing value for each
0: and and on that it sounds mm-hmm. like you you have a global team now um, mm-hmm. I know that some of the founders uh are spread uh, an engineering team is spread in other regions and now you have uh, i imagine teams on the ground in some of these new markets mm-hmm. uh, what what are some examples of how your team is is collaborating do you feel like that um the team continues to collaborate quite sure. well or is there any learnings or strategies that you have found quite helpful to make sure that the team stays aligned.
1: Um yes, so for our function, um it's a very central function in the sense that uh we collaborate closely with the different teams internally. So given we are the voice of the customers and we understand our customers quite well, um we work very closely with the product team. So our product team sits in Europe, but then our customers are in Africa. So it's really important for them to get to understand what matters most to our customers. So we really, if a team, we collaborate very closely as a product team. So we do share the customer insights. Um, when we do the research, before we kick off a research process, we involve them in the setup. And then, of course, we do a lot of the goal is to really help them understand, even as they build out products, as we keep improving the platform, what do actually customers um, want? Um, we also collaborate very closely with our marketing team as well, uh, because again, like I said, our function is central and we're the ones who really understand the users. So when it comes to the marketing side, how are we positioning the brand? How are we positioning the messaging? And how do you customize the messaging to the different segments? So there's a lot of collaboration um, internally. Yeah. To just ensure that as a business, we're very customer centric.
0: Yeah, that's definitely, it seems like an interesting um, dynamic there in terms of collaborating with the Uh product team and being able to effectively communicate the the insights. So it sounds like you have really honed that process down. Uh, Yeah. Sounds quite impressive. So you, uh, also manage a team as well. I I imagine, uh, how has that experience been over the years in terms of managing direct team members? You, you talked earlier about this idea of having, uh, growth plans individually, (laughs) and some of the, uh, career growth pathways outside the company. Um, how, how has team management uh, played out for you? What are, what are some. Uh, difficult things that you've learned and and maybe what are some areas that you're still trying to uh, improve and focus on as a a people manager
1: um i would say um like initially i talked about like my first Time experience um, in leadership. Um, And I think one of the key learnings that I've taken over the years is no one leadership style fits every single situation. So I find myself switching among the different leadership styles depending on the situation at hand. Um, So on my end, I use the ones that I find quite effective, three main leadership um, styles. So mainly the coaching aspect. So like I talked, like I'd mentioned earlier, um, a very young team so of course needing a lot of coaching but at the same time just getting to understand those growth plans and how i can support them meet their goals um has gone a long way um, we also have a lot of mobility within the team so we support a lot of like internal growth and people moving within teams um so still on this end the times where you really have to be a coach and just guiding people through um and then in some instances um I have to involve my team in the decision-making process. So the, the interesting thing about um, a startup is you don't really have all the answers as a leader. So you're sort of trying to figure it together with the team. And I found this leadership style very effective, especially when you're trying to get the teams buy in. Um, so involving them in the decision-making process. But the most important thing that I found is super helpful is Um, before involving them in the decision making process, just communicating the bigger picture so that you don't lose sight of what um, actually moves the needle. So I find this very helpful, especially when, in my initial experience when I was working on the B2B side, because we had to set the B2B function, the B2B CX function from scratch. um, It did really help working through the team. us thinking about how do we set up a function for success. So even as we go out and experiment different things, the team already understands the bigger picture and why we are doing uh, what we're doing. I mean, I'd say the third, the third one that's um, fun also effective is just the delegative approach. So minimal um, micromanagement and getting to trust the team that they'll do what needs to get done. So initially when I when I was kicking off and not transitioning to leadership it was quite uh it was quite um it was quite a challenge um when you're so used to a certain of doing things and you find you know this is the most effective and it would actually help us to get to the results faster but sometimes i've i've learned that it's important to trust your team very minimal micromanagement so it also just helps drive that sense of accountability um, and ownership and also makes you know my work is as a leader because I can't be everywhere every single time and if I have the right team in place then I don't really have to, I don't have to think about micromanagement because they'll take accountability of their work and really own it. Um, For the other challenges, um, I think the main challenge is balancing the people side and also the numbers side. So. Sometimes as a leader, it's really easy to remove the emotion and find yourself very mechanical. So every time you meet your team, it's about the numbers where we, numbers where we. So sometimes you can forget that you're working with actual people. So I sort of have to keep reminding myself to sort of balance um, that people side and the numbers side. Um, And I think the other main challenge is, of course, retaining your employees. Your star employees in this very competitive, environments so or competitors are always hawking on the employees, looking at the LinkedIn profile, and you clearly know that, you know, recruiters on their DMs reaching out. So coming up with this retention strategies, how do you retain them? How do you understand what matters to them when it comes to, you know, them wanting to work for Fuzu and actually stay longer? So constantly have to rethink the retention strategies, constantly have to think about what matters to them and how can we balance the business part as well as what matters to them and making them feel connected to the purpose and the vision of what you're trying to do as Fozu, yeah.
0: Well, so it sounds like lots of learnings, and, and you're <clears throat> still kind of uh, staying on top of things and figuring yeah. out how you can continually improve and also <clears throat> uh, you know, upskill and, and uh, move the the company along. Yeah. Um, I- I'm wondering if you have identified for yourself a particular <clears throat> superpower that <clears> throat> throat> really drives your work. Uh, and and that you found yourself really leaning into uh, as you continually develop yourself?
1: I would say over the years I have, um, and I'd say it's my ability to motivate people that has made me a good leader. Um, So I, I think over time I've noticed that, yes, we have numbers and things to get done, but when people feel like you have the best interest at heart, you care about what matters to them, the results kind of show by themselves. So I think my ability to motivate people is what I can attribute as my superpower. Still building on it, but I'd say, uh, yeah, I've made great progress with that.
0: And, and what has kind of been the key uh, for success in that? How, how, do you, how, how did that become a superpower?
1: I'd say over time, understanding what matters to individuals. So sometimes the mistake we make as leaders is depending on the people, on people's strengths within the team, and what you think. You sort of build perceptions of who is good at what. Um, but I think during the one-on-ones, I, t- I spend time, actually invest time to dig deeper into what do you actually want. So in some cases what they're talking about may not even be related to Fuso, but just getting to understand that. So someone might want to develop a skill that's completely different off their scope. So, you know, after the meeting, I'd find resources, share with them, um, know about different networks and connect it to them, connect them to those networks. So when they start feeling like, I have a best interest at heart, it also helps them open up um, and also getting to understand how do we still how do, we, how do I still balance them as an individual and them as a Fuzu um, employee? So once I know what matters to them, then I'm able to provide the resources if I have, but also just motivate them and challenge them to see things different. You know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? So when people really, when you tap into what matters to them, it's, I find it very effective and, and it just changes everything um, for them.
0: Well, wow. well, that definitely uh, seems like a very important uh, skill and superpower. And uh, I know in my own experience managing people, it's a, a super important mm-hmm. uh, skill to really make sure that uh, the teams are uh, self-motivated and also motivated knowing that their manager you know also is considering uh, their their professional growth. Uh, yeah. So just as we start to wrap up, you, you mm-hmm. spent you know uh, quite a while now in the talent space and and I'm sure you've seen, a lot of trends that come and go and i'd be curious to hear if there's a a particular trend in in the talent space uh, more broadly that you see uh, playing an increasing role in the years to come in our
1: particular space it's really evolved especially during this covid era where there's remote work um, and a lot of different dynamics i think I'd hand to two main two main trends. Um, I think the first one is um the rise in the gig economy. Um just seeing how it has changed how people think. Um, candidates now have more opportunities and they really no longer have to tie themselves to one thing. So it's a very interesting um trend. Um, of course, still favors the candidates where people now have more options, and not just thinking about their. traditional eight to five so if i have an extra skill in something i can still it can still help me you know put more money into my pocket so very interesting trend and on the flip side also on the employer side um it's interesting how the international market has opened up so even for local employers you're not only competing with the local players and local salaries. You're also competing with other international companies as well. So it just goes a long way um, to ensure that even as a company, for you to stay relevant and ensure that you're attracting the right talent, even the retention strategies have to be slightly different because now you're competing for the same talent with other key players who probably even have you know bigger pockets than you do. So thinking, how do you retain your current employees? But even when you come, when you're thinking about talent. What's the approach? Given now the dynamics have changed, you are not only competing with specific companies but also the international um, market. Of course, there's two trends still favor candidates, which is great. Um, but this goes a long way to to show that companies really need to think about talent differently, um, how to retain their talent um, very differently from maybe you know before this particular before these trends um, started. So I'd say those are the key. Learnings, um, and we also we educate a lot. We, we educate our customers a lot about this. Um, yeah, we educate our, I would say we educate our customers a lot about this, just for them to understand what's changing, how is the market changing, and what does that mean for them in terms of how they used to
0: do things. Amazing. Uh, completely agreed. Uh, you know, any any employer is no longer kind of uh, captive by. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the local uh, market and and also vice versa so i think it's uh, probably a, a win-win in a lot of ways and it's it sounds true. like fuzu is really embracing that and mm-hmm. uh, and thank you so much for your time today and reflecting on your leadership journey as you've grown uh, within fuzu as this fuzu has also grown so um i'm sure the the audience and community will appreciate the the tips and insights uh, and anecdotes that you've shared today. So thank you mm-hmm. so much. and I look forward to continuing to follow you on your journey.
1: Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you so much.